Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. Thank you very much for that, Sonny Bill Williams. We now have ourselves a series, and all it took was SBW trudging his way slowly and guiltily into the All Blacks Hall of Shame, where he was greeted by Colin Pinetree Meads, Murph. Oh, not this again. And the ghost of a gentleman by the name of Cyril Brownlee. Presumably both men sitting there with their heads hanging low, still struggling to come to terms with the crimes against rugby they committed in 1967 and 1925, respectively. You're very welcome to Monday's Second Captain's Podcast. Ken's back from holidays. Hi, Ken. Hi, Owen. Are you? Murph's here. Simon's here. How's it going? Hey, fellas, I've been delving into the history books, guys. I see the quizzical look on your face again. You want to know more about these two previous sendings off, don't you? The, you can't be serious that there have only been two. Yeah. In the entire... Well, three now. Three now. Before, before yeah. Saturday. That's amazing. Well, I think Ireland only have three, actually. I read that in passing somewhere recently. Before we get too much up on our high horse about New Zealand... <laughs> well, you used to have to kill people. somebody to get sent off. <laughs> for a long time, yeah. Would you like to hazard a guess as to what Cyril Brownlee, rugged All Blacks forward, was sent off for in their January 20, 1925 match during the Invincibles tour against England at Twickenham? Telling the referee he was a rotter. Telling the ref- referee he was a rotter. What do you think, Murphy? Impersonating a peasant? Impersonating a peasant. Simon, have you got a, a guess? You want to... um, ran on with a chainsaw. Ran on with the chainsaw. I'll let the match referee, Albert Freethy, explain. This is from a statement that he issued after the game. People talk about this now. Why can't referees come out and do interviews? Well, Mm. Mr. Freethy did issue this statement. It was reproduced in the Times of London on the Monday. In some loose play, the ball had been sent away and two or three England forwards were lying on the ground. C. Brownlee was a few feet away from them. And as he came back, he deliberately kicked on the leg an England forward lying face downward on the ground. I take my eye off the ball for a moment and therefore, therefore saw exactly what happened. Previous to this, I had warned each side generally three times, and therefore I had no option but to send Brownlee off the field. I much regretted having to do this, but in the circumstances, I had no alternative but to take this drastic action. Apparently, the English forward who got stamped on was a fellow called Reg Edwards. No angel himself. He was described by a teammate as being a tough guy and a bit free with his fists. (laughs) He appears to have spent... Basically, Edwards got this guy sent off. Okay. He appears to have spent the early part of the game provoking all the All Blacks around him by getting his retaliation in first, as the euphemism goes. England captain Wavel, Wavel, W A V E L, not a name I've heard for a while. What would you go for there? Wavel, probably. Wavel Wakefield. I, I wouldn't like to. Wavel. Wavel Wakefield, whose autobiography, by the way, Ken, is entitled Rugger. recalled Edwards once laying out a Frenchman with a punch in 1924 although as noted in the ESPN piece that that is furnishing me with most of the information Edwards appears to have been the victim of provocation that time against France Mm. rather than the perpetrator as tooth marks were clearly visible on his face (laughs) after the game so that Frenchman possibly deserved to get laid out by this guy who's loose with his fist Uh, but I digress Cyril Brownlee yeah justice is is, it's hard hard won in rugby in the 1920s Cyril Brownlee was sent off for stamping Colin Pinetree Meads do you recall that there is video footage of this? You might recall what he was sent off for at Murrayfield in 1967. I always thought it was a punch, but it wasn't. You want to picture? Okay, I'll tell you what. Picture Jerry Flannery versus France, Alexis Palisson. Yeah. Wow. You have what I'm talking about there. Yeah. yeah. It was. A, it was the a, kick, the, is this Jerry Flannery's mad kick into the yeah, guy's chest? Yeah. This. So Colin Pinetree meets Jerry Flannery, <laughs> David Chisholm. Well, in the case of this match against Scotland, Pinetree probably went into the chest. Did he? Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 It wasn't a great look, but not necessarily any worse than. 
some of Pine Tree's previous transgressions. The Daily Telegraph noted at the time that it was rather like sending a burglar to prison for a parking offence, <laughs> <laughs> which I quite like. So Sonny Bill Williams goes down in history as the first All Black to be sent off for an offence committed with his upper body. Well done, Sonny Bill Williams. <laughs> and first in New Zealand as well. The first ever New Zealand player to be sent off in New Zealand. Is that correct? Do we know where the England were Brownlee? Oh, yeah, no, that was, that was Twickenham. That was part that of the Invincible story, well, yeah. yeah. Of wow. course, in both those previous games, New Zealand won comfortably both mm. times, even despite going down. So it's the bravest referee decision of all time, therefore. <laughs> well, it actually was quite a brave refereeing decision, wasn't it? Was it? Well, it was just it was so <laughs> obvious. The, uh, like the video ref and the assistant refs didn't exactly help him. Mm. Ja- he, uh, at one stage, uh, Pepper was yeah, like, yeah. Jack yeah. Um, are you sure? <laughs> in New Zealand. Yeah, really? Uh, that, that that was to me actually nearly the funniest bit of the whole thing was just Jacko Piper going he knew he obviously knowing that everyone's mic'd up saying in the saying the words the only words you could say to to transfer the message is that hold on a second this is New Zealand we're in New Zealand you can't do this <laughs> he didn't realise that a lot of people in New Zealand don't like Sonny Bill Williams so there wasn't going to be a big backlash afterwards mm. it was just yeah that's Sonny Bill I, I didn't realise like he was the most Sonny. famous man in New Zealand he seems to be why yeah Sam, you might explain I, this to Ken why don't they like him is it because he's, been he's in and he's out left of their sport yeah. uh, a couple of times and seems to put you know his spirituality and religion and the rest of his life sometimes ahead of rugby. God is more important than rugby. And rugby league ahead of rugby union, which and is sometimes the boxing, greatest crime. Sometimes boxing, boxing ahead of rugby yeah. union. Yeah. But he won the World Cup and he gave his medal to that little kid. Yeah. yeah. Nice. No, he seems to be a good guy. Besides that shoulder into the face. <laughs> <laughs> Impressed by how the Lions got the job done, Simon? Impressed by the tries. Like they, I imagined how... I could only imagine how nervous they were or how much pressure was on because the first time they've ever been expected to win. The weather, the red cards, Bowden Barrett not kicking. New Zealand not playing that well, let's be honest. Like their tactics were so basic. Uh, crash ball essentially up the middle to try and win yards over Owen Farrell and then kick it wide, which usually didn't work anyway. So the Lions knew everything was in their favour. They had to win this bloody thing. And they didn't react well to that at the start. To then recover, and not just recover and play sort of dogged rugby, recover and play their best rugby the whole tour, I thought, and score the... Two great tries. I actually think differently about Gatlin. You were saying earlier, I don't know if you are joking on a few weeks ago, I actually think differently about Gatlin now. I'm on board with Warren Gatlin. To me? No, I never said I felt, I felt differently. I think I... Oh, maybe I did say that, yeah. Maybe yeah, I wasn't always on board. I, I've only come on board. I on think, this tour. On, They've scored tries that Wales, I don't think, would ever score. And he's doing no, with players who I, haven't played together before. I think yeah. the kinds of tries they're scoring in the first and second test make me think differently about Warren Gatlin and what he's capable of I know it comes down to Johnny Sexton and Owen Farrell and decision making all that kind of thing as well but he did ultimately pick them and they've done it two tests in a row now scored some of the best tries the Lions have ever scored uh, yeah I think I think I like to think I was always on board to a certain extent but that I was sitting around you guys and being in this country of Ireland I was getting <laughs> brainwashed against uh, offering my full support for oh, yeah, no. so i just like to f- hereby uh, reaffirm that he is the greatest coach in world rugby just before they go and win the third test and everybody what, else says the same What thing. ministry did uh, the lead character of 1984 work in? Truth. The ministry, yeah. yeah. So anyone working in the Ministry for Truth today, if you could just go back and just revise some of Owen McDevitt's previous statements on Warren Gatland, that would be great. Yeah. Will of Owen Redden's always razor-sharp analysis in a couple of minutes. As sharp as his delivery from the base of a scrum. <laughs> yeah, nice work. Uh, yes. Nice yeah. work, Owen. Probably is well a Well done, set. well played. Owen Kelly and Michael Dignan on go is win yesterday. They were very impressive in stopping the Westford juggernaut in its tracks, you would agree? Yeah, 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 and um, uh, yeah, and interesting, uh, interesting, really, that, that Golan never really had to play, you know, all that brilliantly to win. Uh, like going in at halftime, fourteen eleven up. Uh, yeah, fourteen. There were three up anyway at halftime, having not really played at all and having absorbed pretty much everything that Wexford had thrown at them. Was in many ways the most impressive part of the whole thing, uh, because it, you know, as the third quarter went on. Uh, just Galway's physical power, their dominance in the air, it just really started to manifest itself after that. But that idea that you can kind of trundle along, take the best shots of, you know, a team that's beaten Kilkenny in the previous game and still go in three points up, that, that in ways is nearly the most positive thing to take from the whole thing. If you're not a World Service member yet, you will have missed last week's shows from Tuesday through to Friday. And that meant you missed an incredible contribution from Michael Calvin on the often screwed up nature of the recruiting of young boys to major football clubs in the UK and also Shane Horgan telling us all about his 2005 Lions tour Lions feud 
with New Zealand referee Steve Walsh. When you play the All Blacks, you play all of New Zealand. You play the entire nation. And Steve Walsh was a, was a Kiwi. I was just running down the line, and I think the ball was you know, kicked into touch. And I, I was I appealed like you know almost like you know, see soccer guys appealing for a throw in, and uh, I appealed for that it had been touched uh, by the opposition player, and that was our line out. Uh, but just in like in a entirely normal way, and not an aggressive way. And then <laughs> he he just blurted out. You fucking English out of nowhere, and I was, I was honestly I was flabbergasted. And Dennis Hickey was there beside me, nearly fell over. Actually, he he actually nearly fell over. He couldn't believe that uh, it happened. There you go for the full uncensored version. If you leave in the word fucking. But bleep out the next one, you know it's pretty yeah. bad, right? Yeah. You can sign up for the World Service on secondcaptains.com for uh, five or a month plus fat. Shane was brilliant on 2005 last week, the Steve Walsh incident, which only grew from there. That was the start of his weird issues with Steve uh, with, with Steve Hansen. I was going to say that would be even more dramatic with Steve Walsh over there. Also Shane bollocking Clive Woodward out of it, although a little bit too late to get himself into the starting team for the test. And of course, drinking Paul O'Connell's favourite energy drink, Focus. Yep. I remember that. Nearly, <laughs> nearly had Paul O'Connell punching <laughs> Alistair Campbell. You can hear all of that on, on last week's World Service. We're, go, we're going to have a major, major football guest this week on the player's chair. I should mark your card on that one as well. Fresh from the success of his Duffer interview. Richie has gone and nabbed another massive name, so it'll be coming up in a couple of days' time. Owen Redden, how are things? Very good, yeah. All good here. No, no complaints. Good to hear. Conor Murray was talking after the game about... Uh, I found it quite interesting. He was talking about having a bit of breathing space now, having got this win, that they, they've gotten people off their backs in New Zealand. You kind of, I don't know, do you get the sense that this is going to be quite a, a fun week for the Lions if you, if you can have fun leading up to a test like this? Uh, yeah, I think I think it will be. Um, you know, strangely enough, the two teams are probably going to be in new territory this week. The Lions probably won't have any pressure on them and they're, you know, even throughout their Six Nations careers, the players that we're going to have playing the weekend are used to these kind of games week in, week out. Um, for the last eight weeks, they've been pressurised by the media, pressurised by everybody, and, and I suppose probably developed into tough nuts and ready to go. And then the All Blacks have probably had the quite the opposite for most of their careers and for the last few weeks in terms of pre- pressure scenarios. And this week, they're both going to have the flip. Um, the pressure might come off the lines a little bit, um, but that's something to be aware of as well. Um, and all backs are going to find out what, 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 how their coaches react and how their players react on a, a very tough situation and, and almost the unthinkable um, on the horizon for them. The Lions have gone on a mini holiday to Queenstown for a couple of days, have a day off, and followed by a very, apparently very light training session, almost two days off in a row, really. There's all these pictures coming out of them all on jet boats and helicopter rides and all this kind of stuff. I don't know if they go in the beer in this own, uh, in this kind of a little mini holiday mode. I think there was, uh, they certainly did in Noosa last time in Australia. It all seems very kind of old school, but is that the way to do it at this time of a stressful tour? Well, I think the more jet boats you see and helicopters you see, you know what I mean? I think, probably less booze there is and that's the, that's kind of the reason why the less there is to do the more chances that happening but right. when you fill it with that kind of activity I think uh, you know it does get people it actually helps you to forget about the weekend which which after a win is also important sometimes and to get back into the moment and they'll be fully focused on what they're doing today which is which is a bit of crack I suppose and um, it's very important you know recovering is you know, two tests in um, to a three test series is probably the most important thing to do for this week and and maybe the Lions will have the edge there in terms of, um, you know, having the ability to focus more on that than, you know, going over games, trying to work out what went wrong. Um, not that the New Zealanders have fallen into that trap. I think they have a pretty obvious reason why they didn't win. Um, but again, I think it does it does bode well that the, the noise we're hearing from, from the camp from the Lions does bode well for the weekend. Yeah, maybe one message for the Lions to absorb this week, Owen, will be that they didn't need to be perfect or anything close to perfect to beat New Zealand. And I think sometimes the feeling is in the Northern Hemisphere, in order to beat New Zealand, especially away from home, a lot of your players have to have sort of 10 out of 10 performances. Discipline has to be perfect. None of those things happen. They still won. So as you were talking about pressure, there's also that idea that, hang on, we don't need to be so amazing. Like, and these guys are fallible, that this is a new message, a new thought that's entered their heads for the final week. Yeah, I think if it's lash and rain on, on Saturday and someone and the New Zealand guys get a an all-black sent off for 25 minutes, then 
the Lions probably won't have to be perfect to win, you know. Um, but short of that, I think, you know, you do have to be playing exception rugby to win in New Zealand and, and that hasn't changed um, since the weekend will be my take on it. I think, you know, losing Sonny Bill Williams is is, um, is a great advantage for the Lions. The All-Backs are full of, our team full of, you know, three or four players who, you know, can actually change the whole game with, with individual moments of brilliance and um, Sonny Bill Williams is, is usually one of those guys. So not having him in does, does level um, the playing field a little bit. Um, but I still think in New Zealand uh, that the Lions are going to have to be close to perfect to win this weekend. I think the most encouraging aspect of last weekend was, was the physicality. There was absolutely no doubt that they were able to match them physically. Now that said, the way you know the Lions defend, you know the wetter it is, the better it, the, the better it is in terms of um, their ability to defend. And I think you know it'll be good to have had that run out defensively with such a big game coming this week. I think Gatland's always prided his teams in, in their defence, and and this time round in terms of getting them together and delivering on a system with, um, you know, wingers who haven't played this system before and getting Ben Teo involved playing this system, um, you know, which would be similar enough to England, but but not identical. So I think um, the system was well and truly up and running. You could see it at times of the weekend. It was it was um, incredible, albeit with that, that New Zealanders down a man and the weather as it was, which made, um, you know, producing sublime skill a bit, a bit more difficult. So, I think it's going to have to be back to almost perfect this weekend to win. There was question marks over Gatlin's, I suppose, non-selection of Sexton and Farrell as a 10-12 axis in the first test. Then he did it, it was seen maybe as belatedly or they just weren't given enough practice to do it in the second test. And yet most of the time it came off twice in the try for Toby Faletau. Um Sexton repeatedly varied things. And there's a very good piece in the 42 by Murray Kinsella about how the Lions were setting this long-term trap that ultimately led to Jamie George taking the short ball off Sexton that led to the, John, uh, the Conor Murray try. There was real sophistication there and accuracy ultimately when it came to the, you know, when they were scoring their tries, those were their great moments. But it took real sort of elaborate game plan and real skill to execute it. Um, yeah, I think um, you know Johnny Sexton played very well, and I think you know whether you you know actually think whether you it's probably more him playing than than it is the access actually um, the biggest difference. I think Owen Farrell is an excellent player in his own right, and and at the ten um, you know can do a lot of things Johnny can do. But one thing Johnny has is an ability to run very straight in short spaces and have the ability to play shorter out the back. And you know while that seems quite simple in terms of being able to run forward at a defender and pass short to someone like Jamie George or go out the back to Owen Farrell that's actually very difficult to do naturally most guys who are in that situation will drift slowly um, to give themselves more time and the person opposite them will just move on to Jamie George and tackle him and that break doesn't happen and I don't think it's so much that Johnny would run with a pretty plan and go out the back three times in a row just so he could play Jamie George the fourth time he literally would every time run up and have a look and see which is on you okay. know, um, and he's got the composure and the ability to do that uh, which is what separates him I think um, from most players and also as you saw in a game a few weeks ago when the gaps open up he can take them as well and that makes it very hard to defend and one of the key reasons why those balls out the back actually work when he's playing is because he's a genuine threat and you have to you have to manage mm-hmm. him you can't even go low on him because he can get an offload because he's tall enough so I think um, you know he was key to a lot of a lot of what happened and um, Ben Teo was playing extremely well up to the weekend and was very unlucky not to be selected um, you know, and I think it was probably more Johnny coming in than it was, you know, this big combination. And what it's good, I think that um, I think in fairness to Johnny, he'd he'd he'd, he'd probably be able to do that with Ben as well. You know, um, now that said, it worked very well in wet conditions. You know, and we didn't have to play against Sonny Bill Williams for a long long period. So this weekend, it's still going to be a challenge for the Lions in terms of defensively. Um, you know, Johnny's a big guy, but Owen Farrell isn't the biggest guy. He hits hard. But often in the centre, you know, it's it's a momentum game. You know, you see that the damage Jonathan Davies can do with Ben Teo. Um, now, I don't think it's going to happen that there'll be any changes there, but it is something that uh, the Lions will have to be wary of. They'll have to come off the line very hard to generate that momentum. Owen Farrell is a small guy, but he's a brilliant defender in terms of coming forward with his momentum at pace. And therefore, because he's going faster and in the right direction, he actually makes up for a lot of the kilos that, that other people would have. So that's something they're going to have to work on. They're still going to have to to, to really front up in that area um, because I'm sure New Zealand will still plan on coming down that area. Oh, and we often seem to end up talking about Sexton when you're on the show, but it's unavoidable in this case. And even the way you describe his performance is, 
it's it's fascinating that he was able to get back to this level so quickly after having such a poor game for Leinster's last game of the season. He goes over. He has I know the the basically off the flight and playing starting against the New Zealand Barbarians was probably a poison chalice if ever there was one then not getting picked for the first test pretty uh, pretty impressive mental fortitude there to go out and play as he did on Saturday yeah I think you know he never you know he kind of came to if you think about the way his career started you know and often players like that who, who've had to fight um, and probably focus for long periods when they haven't been in the alignment or haven't been in the team you know and then they crack it and they make they make that you know, leap from, you know, outside of a 23 in a provincial squad to playing for Leinster to all of a sudden playing for Ireland. You know, the work they were doing at that period, which is out kicking your goals, out doing your, doing your training, doing your weights, focusing on all the processes, and that got you through and actually was what, what got you through in the very first place. For your whole career, when you, when you experience difficulty and, and challenges, you know, you have that to go back to, and it's locked in your head that that's how you actually got here in the first place. And that's not something everyone has. Some people are picked very early on and, you know, have got have been given chances by coaches maybe ahead of time due to their size or due to their ability um, at a certain age. And then when they may face challenges later in their career, they don't have that knowledge that that's how they did it in the first place and that's how they should approach it now. The same thing happens when you win trophies. You know, people say you learn a lot from losing, but you don't really learn a lot from losing until you learn until you learn how to win and and um, and what's required to win. And I think that's another thing that's going to be really important this weekend. You've got, I think the Lions are full of guys who play Six Nations week in, week out, where they're never, they've never the competition won. There's no one ever who's won the competition with five games to go or four games to go or three games to one. Go. Whereas in the Southern Hemisphere, you know, a lot of the games are, yes, they're big test games, but, you know, you don't have the heat of a nation on your back. And I think um, our lads are more likely to have experienced that in the past know and and succeeded which is which is probably more important that they know what they need to do this weekend in terms of individually um how far to pitch it how how hard to try how hard not to try in terms of trying too hard how pumped up to be for a game um you know they're all things that are going to be very important this weekend what sort of changes would you make to either personnel or to the tactical approach to this game next weekend oh. uh, um i i like i think I'd be. I haven't watched Henderson last week. You know, I, I think they're in this luxurious position of having four second rows playing as well as they are. But there was a period there just before he got that thin bin that was just an incredible five minutes of, of rugby. Um, he literally was swatting people, and I think not having him the twenty three is is. Oh, it's hard to understand how that can happen. I think he was incredible. I think that his his yellow card for me only showed how much he was doing. The fact that the team went from that, yes, they conceded the points, but it's like the whole team fell apart when he wasn't playing, which made me question straight away how how much was he holding this whole performance together on his own from the second row, you know. Um, you know, it was very unlucky yellow card and not something that would have that you would say would be a sign that it might happen again. I think he's been very disciplined but I'd say if you count up his offside penalties versus other second rows in the squad, he's very, very low. Um, so I'd like to see him come in. Uh, I, Gatland, Alan Wynne Jones, and Gatland, Gatland's got great faith in him, and I don't see him changing him. But you know, if if you were to if you were to make room somehow for for Henderson, um, you're either looking at CJ not being involved, which which would be very very tough on him, um, and may cover call questions about marks over who you're going to cover at eight, or actually potentially you know dropping Alan Wynne Jones out of the 23, having started and won a Test match. Um, and putting Courtney Laws or Henderson in, and um, and the other guy to the bench. Now, there are things you could do. They're very unlikely given given the scenario we had or the the scenario that's that's turned out. Um, you know, you've Gatlin could also argue that he was playing the lads for 80 minutes last week because they needed to be ready for this week if they were going to play. I'm surprised he'd go with that argument instead of saying that um, he was worried about what what the media thought of the of the, of the lads to yeah. come in. But, you know, Henderson did play a lot of rugby last week on Tuesday night, which would be a perfect run-in for this Saturday now. You know, um, you know, it wouldn't have been perfect for last Saturday. But, you know, I think um, if he was to get a run this week, I think it would be a real positive for the Lions. Last question, Owen. Has Gatland emerged with credit after that win, regardless of what happens on, in the third test? Are you hedging your bets on that call until you see whatever you see on, Sunday, on Saturday? No, I think, look, for rugby, it's great. There was a safety call at the weekend that was massive for rugby. Like that has to be stamped out. It was dealt with really well by the referee. 
from a rugby point of view, the Lions have gone really well. And Gatland, like, this task is extremely, extremely difficult to put, first of all, to pull guys together that quickly. Second of all, to pick a team that, that actually works that quickly without alienating half your squad, which, you know, you, you have to do one or the other. You can't, you can't give everyone chances until really late in the tour and then expect to win. Um, and have a really great squad to get on well. You can't do that. So you've got to. He, he's managed all that process really well, and the, the the margins are absolutely tiny. Like here, you know, the, the difference between success and failure is is so small. But 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 you know, when it happens, it seems so far. Like the the, the difference in a week between the perception it got and last week and this week is incredible. And a lot has gone on that's outside of his control in that week. So it probably you know would point to both both opinions probably being how bad he was last and how good he was this week probably being. Um, a bit over exaggerated, but on the whole, I think the the Lions have have stuck together well. You can see they get on well. You can see they're physically dealing with with New Zealand. You can see they're way closer than they were the last time they were there. You know, and it's an impressive tour all in all. The, the, the midweek games are excellent as well, and I think um, for that, Gatlin should be applauded in terms of bringing this whole thing together. And and you know, at the end of the day, the Lions are going into the third series with a with a with a Test series on the line. Third, third match with a test series online, and that's probably what he should be applauded for at this point. Um, you know whether whether he should be applauded after this. You know if he goes on and wins, obviously he'll get all the plaudits. Um, and if he loses, you'll probably have people on both sides just saying, "Look, you know it was a good tour. The lines are, are healthy, but um, but the All Blacks are too good." You know, I think ultimately, I think they have a great chance this weekend. I think it's great to get the All Blacks in this position, even when they came back from Chicago. You saw the way they played in Eviva. Yes, they were mad up for it. And yes, they all went on about how, how great they were going to be. But they won 21-9 against an Irish team, missing a lot of players. And, and there was never going to be the hammering that, that we'd, we'd, we'd come used to over the years. I think the All Blacks will, will approach the game this week. You know, they will tighten up. They're not going to try and throw the ball around and win by 30 or 40 points. And I think that's actually a great time to play them. And the, Ly- and the Lions, probably unlike Ireland in November, probably have a bit more in physical size and ability to deal with them. So when the All Blacks come out as rough as they did in November... I think um, you know maybe the Lions are going to be able to deal with them this weekend. Owen, oh, great to catch up. Thanks a million. All right, no problem. The flame hair, flame hair, flame for truth, Mr. Ken Early. Every so often, I'm on the bus and I suddenly turn around to bite someone. John Hayes, I'm talking about, Owen. Yeah. John Hayes. Now I always thought that was ridiculous. He had won the victory over himself. He loved Brendan Rogers. That's where it goes from. Thanks a lot, Pepe. Fair to say, anybody could have managed those guys? No, of course not. Let me show you right now for you give it up. Hmm, there's a couple of times Owen has mentioned the physicality he expects to see next Saturday. One of the most physical games you've ever seen, is what Owen says. That mm. game last Saturday was one of the most physical games I've ever seen, so I'm not quite sure what to expect. Mm. It's weirdly, though, well, there have been, I think, quite there's been quite a worrying amount of concussions or, and concussion checks but in terms of players having to leave the tour key players Lions have been blessed haven't they? Amazing that's probably the most surprising thing about the whole tour Henshaw's gone home Moriarty is injured Stuart Hogg the Stuart Hogg was probably the biggest loss yeah and that was innocuous that wasn't in a normal tackle Connor Murray's elbow yeah but you're always going to yeah, and you are always going to lose uh, a few but they've been very lucky not to mm. lose many at all really and certainly not many starters and certainly not many players like Stuart Hogg was he going to be the? the would he, he probably would have started. Well, I mean, well, he would have started, but yeah. would he have done any better than Liam Williams? No, I don't think I don't so. Think so yeah. No, I don't think so. And Liam Williams is doing every, all the stuff Stuart Hogg can do. Yeah. So I don't see that as a. It's just kind of been a funny quirk of it that, despite yeah. the physicality of it, they. I remained. wonder. I I do. Ima- I think Owen's spot on. I imagine New Zealand just like frenzied animals. Certainly, the first 10, 15 minutes, if the Lions can keep it close and just survive the onslaught. I don't know if you remember Ardi Savea. It was when they'd just gone behind after the penalty. Yeah. It was the next. They managed to get the restart in New Zealand, of course. And then Artie Savay got the next ball. And he just kept running through tacklers for another 10, 15 yards. Yeah, it was, I uh, imagine that from every New Zealand player for the first 10, 15 minutes of the third test. That Artie Savay uh, thing was basically, you know, grandmother saves child trapped under car levels of <laughs> yeah. uh, like mental uh, uh, aggression and all the rest. I mean, I, I would expect that the Lions will be mentioning... Uh, Ireland versus New Zealand in the Aviva mm. quite a bit over the next uh, mm. sort of 72 hours or so. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Like if the Lions can reverse their discipline, the closer, the longer it's a close game, I would expect New Zealand to start to <laughs> give away a few penalties too because they will be desperate men. 
Owen describes himself as a devout World Service member. This is another Owen. Three Owens on the show now today. Dear second captains, Scott Quinnell and co might as well have done sparkly spandex, a wig and some pom-poms, such as the nauseating, overhyped post-match adoration of a team that were outplayed for most of the match by 14 men. New Zealand, for once, managed to somehow let these guys off the hook. All the best, says Owen. You're not the only one making that point. Uh, let's have a little taste of Graeme Simmons' post-match interviews. Sam, does it get any better than this? It's only half the job done, you know, so... I'll be happy next week when we bring the Test Series home. One apiece now, so effectively, you know, we've only played two halves. Um, Come on, Sam, you've just beaten New Zealand. Take that smile on your face. You have just beaten New Zealand in Wellington, Sam. It's grandchildren tell time moment, yeah? We've got to win the Test Series. <laughs> we've got to win the Test Series. I mean, What's going to get the job done next week, Sean? Better, better performance than today, so we regroup, we go again. Immortality beckons, you know that, don't you? Immortality is beckoning. Well, that's what we're here for. Good man, Sean. Enjoy the night. <laughs> The amount of times he's mentioned grandkids and immortality on this tour. Make that, Ken? I, I saw that uh, at the time and immediately thought, yeah, that's a clip. Um, <laughs> grandchildren to telling the time moment, yeah? <laughs> whatever well, I mean, whatever about the clumsiness of the phrasing, it's more the message is almost, is worse. Yeah. You know. I suppose I'll have to wait to tell the grandchildren well, that I am 26 years old. Graeme Simmons, it's not an easy Come task. on, Chosie, give us a hug. There he is, yeah. He does inject a bit of life into these post-match Come interviews. Come on, Chosie, give us a hug. Which you can be very thankful for in certain situations when there's not that much to say or yeah. ask about. I, I kind of like his effervescent attitude to it. There are times when, you know, the whole sky, you don't need to overdo it after um, the match on Saturday. And yeah. maybe, maybe Sky were somewhat guilty of that, but they were happy. I, I got up early enough in the build-up to see... Will Greenwood's any given Sunday type pre-match speech exhorting the troops. Shane Horgan talked about Alistair Campbell's speech to the yeah. squad between the two tests, first two tests in the Lions 2005 tour where he started talking about this British soldier who demanded to see more heart from the Lions, the kind of heart that he showed in Iraq or Afghanistan or wherever he was. And Will Greenwood's kind of hitting that sort of level now okay. of bombast. I'm sorry, I missed that. Yeah, yeah, you can go back. I'm sure you can go back and get it. That's it. Just quite early in the morning to absorb the Greenwood Quinnell axis of excitement. <laughs> I know. I, I, there, it, certainly, I think the time difference isn't doing them any favours. Michael Dignan and Owen Kelly are ready to talk about the 2017 All Ireland Hurling Champions Galway. We're going to give it to them already. Michael, the game itself wasn't one of this summer's classics, but 60,000 odd, just over 60,000 in the door for a Leinster final is impressive and made for a pretty amazing occasion. Yeah, I suppose without sounding too romantic about the whole thing, um, Wexford, there's something about Wexford. It's incredible from my playing days uh, right through they're just they're just an amazing crowd it, it's I, I was said I said it in a newspaper article on Sunday it was very hard to get an edge against them as a player because you just they're just so sound you like them so much yeah they're <laughs> just so sound um, the players the play, they're le- great crack like I talked to Tom Dents yesterday Billy Bourne you know all the friends they have from Wexford um, Adrian Fenlon all the lads over the years and the same with their supporters they're just Incredible when they get a bit of a roll at all, they 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 go mad and and they love it and it was it was a brilliant occasion. <clears throat> the, the match wasn't wasn't brilliant, but it they just brought such life back to Crow Park again and um, the same a couple of years ago when they bet Clare in fourteen after Clare win they learned to bet them in the replay and down you think they're after win they learn down there after the game that's the way to go. So it's part of their passion from Liam Griffin right through the whole thing. There's there's something different about Wexford and Wexford people so great to see them back and even though it didn't work out great for them on the day yeah and it's like the highest attendance in the history of Leinster finals which you know it's, like, that's quite something there's been 125 of them or 130 of them or whatever yeah like it's a little bit funny with <clears throat> obviously Galway not a Leinster county but yeah. um, you know so, so you know you'd wonder how much it means to Galway um, when the Leinster championship to have it's a, it's a means to an end I think for them but uh but it would have meant so much to Wexford yesterday after after so long. But but still, at you know at the end of the day, it's a great 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 occasion and uh, great to be there really. Yeah, Owen uh, is what we saw yesterday. Galway doing what All Ireland champions or prospective All Ireland champions do win without win sort of pulling away, but without ever having to really reach fifth gear. I mean, my, my brother texted me from the premium level. Uh, about 10 minutes after the game so I can only presume he had been having a few pints but he was saying it's great to be Kilkenny now which is <laughs> the, the level of uh, performance that's what he thought I mean I I don't know about that but that's what Galway did yesterday they they managed to win that game without ever looking all that stressed about it 
Look, they were in second or third gear. Um, you know, they were always able to pick pick a couple of scores when Wexford maybe went a pint or two ahead. You know, in the first half, that was a crucial stage. Galway got back into it, but you know, the difference with Galway and Wexford even came down to a free taker yesterday. Joe Canning nailed all his frees hundred percent. The penalty was crucial. You know, fourteen points to eleven. If you had to nail that, he might have had a different game. Although you could never see Galway being beaten yesterday. But, you know, it might have been closer uh, towards the last 10 minutes. The game just kind of fizzled out then and Galway really showed maturity. And, like, the thing for me, Cottle Mannion was missing yesterday. So, you know, he's a serious player as well to turn into that forward line. But it's a case of, you know, there's a, ne- a bit of expectation on Galway teams now. And, yes, it was a must-win game for, for them. They'd done that. You know, there wasn't a sight of a Kilkenny jersey um, there yesterday. So they'll know, even with the draw today, that the Kilkenny's and the Tipperary's are still left in the championship. And, you know, Waterford could even, down the road, they're a team that don't fear playing Galway. So, you know, it's great work done by Michal Dunham. You have to compliment Galway, win the league and the Leinster final. I don't know when's the last time that they won, you know, there's three trophies if you're in a province that you can win any year, the league, whatever provincial championship you play in, and the All-Ireland. And it's a long time, I think. I don't know that Galway win the league, Michael, you might tell me, in 87 or 88, but it's a long time since they've lifted two trophies in one season and there's no doubt they have the capabilities to lift the third one which is, is the big one uh, in September they definitely have the squad Joe, uh, get over the four or five week layoff now between mm-hmm. the the final and the, the All-Ireland semi-final that's coming up so that's new territory probably for them as well but um, you know it's exci- exciting times if you're a Galway hurler or a Galway supporter Oh and you mentioned Joe Canning nailing his freeze interestingly he didn't score from play and didn't actually have a shot from play we, we had Joe in here a few months ago and he was talking to us about the, the usual kind of pressures on him and how he's un- uncomfortable with the idea that it's all about him and that's been obvious for quite a few years but I was I felt he was very genuine in speaking as a team man and speaking as somebody who doesn't care how many he scores this season as long as the team wins and now he's got Connor Cooney or Galway should I say of Connor Cooney scoring eight points was it seven from play yesterday Joseph Cooney five from play it's what Galway's been crying out for for a long time it seems to actually be happening for them this year yeah, I think it is. I think he, over the last year or two now, to be honest, which other guys ha- are stepping up. I know Jason Flynn was taken off yesterday, but I remember him a couple of years ago. I don't know, was it against Tipperary, banging five from play? He had 12 between the two Coonies yesterday. So, you know, when your team is like that and your forward line is like that, you're building a squad. You know, and that's what Michal Dunham, I'm sure, is, is doing. I see Thomas Monaghan came on after 24, 25 minutes. Um, so, you know, they, they'll know they're in a good position. And you know, I was only listening to, I think, Tommy Walters on the radio yesterday. Enjoy it. But the next training session, that's the one for them. So maybe their next training session might be in 10 days' time. But that's when a couple of, you know, um, markers need to be nailed down. You know, if a guy is on Joe Canning now that he shows a bit of form, if a guy is on Conor Cooney, Maybe that's not on the team that he goes at him. You know, if the, the other side of the round of guys on Park Man and wants to put his hand up as a forward, he goes at him in training. And, you know, that's the bit of an edge that they need to build over the three weeks that they're going to get an opportunity. And of that, you know, they're going to get two maybe serious weeks there, one week. Then the last one is usually tapered down where you're taking it easy. But, you know, they're in a, they're in a prime position now. But, you know, they need they need that edge and that competitive competitiveness in training to bring it through for the other and semi-final day. But definitely, there's more than, it's more than a one-man team. Yeah, and I just find it interesting, the sort of the hierarchy of a forward line, Michael. You know, the this idea that it's it's been Canning's team for, you know, probably seven or eight years nearly, you know. And... How does that change? How does that change in a team? How does Conor Cooney say, right, well, I'm the main man now and it's Joe Cooney's job to give me the ball, uh, you know, in a way that, say, you know, Conor Whelan did in the league final, Jason Flynn did in the league final. Like, that's four players, the two Cooneys and then Whelan and Flynn in the league final that have made, you know, game-winning contributions to go that aren't Joe Canning in the forward line in the last in the last two really big games that they've, that they've played. Yeah, but I, I, I still think Joe Canning is the man, though, and... and Really, on the big day, on the really big day, he needs to produce it because um, you know he hasn't done it. Um, to be fair, he he's he's a brilliant, brilliant player. But he, you know there has been days where he's drifted out of games. And yesterday he was preferred. Macho Hanley went upfield in the first half, scored two points from play, um, and Joe wasn't in the game. But what I liked about him in the second half was his maturity. Uh, nailed his freeze, as we said, but. When he got the ball, he was looking up all the time. Just the few that he's the o- he was the only forward on the field yesterday that I saw with a bit of vision that was picking out other players, bringing them into the game. And I think he must be so relaxed <clears throat> about the position he's in now, with having these great forwards around him. Uh, he knows how good they are. He knows how good David Burke is in the middle of the field, and he can just play that 
playmaker role and if he if he gets time on the ball he's class and Wexford were very physical yesterday they were in the face they were hitting hard and they didn't make it easy but they did give away a lot of frees and he was there to score so I I, I think um, Joe Cannon to me one of the greatest forwards I've ever seen you know he's up there with the very very best and um we're talking about Austin Gleeson maybe last year. Like these type of players don't if they don't win not earned, it leaves a little bit of a, a stain in their career. So he you know, I think for, for every hurling follower he'd love to see Joe Canning win not earned. Is the only worry from Goldie's point of view, maybe, that they're nearly set up to win the twenty fifteen All Ireland title. You know, that they're that the the way the the aerial dominance that they had, the physicality that they have, I mean, it's the team that everyone's been trying to build to beat Kilkenny. And maybe the the only fly in the ointment is that they might not have to beat Kilkenny to win the All Ireland. You know that maybe Cork and Clare are going to be. You know they're much more mobile. Maybe they're going to ask very different questions of Galway to the questions that maybe they were expecting to to be asked to win the All Ireland this year. Yeah, that's a fair point. <clears throat> but I I think that type of open game might suit Galway better. Even uh, I think that with the mobility of their team, their backline, um, particularly if you play a sweeper against me, Aidan Hart like is really settled into that role. He He's such a brilliant hurler, and if you leave him loose, and he's creating so much, like he's not just a lot of Sean Murphy for Wexford yesterday did an okay job, but he wasted a good bit of ball when he got it. But Aiden Hart doesn't waste the ball. Parik Mannion, if he gets a loose ball, it's over the bar. Um, so I think they've, they've class hurlers everywhere. And uh, John Hansbury, little bit of a question mark over him, had a great game yesterday. I thought really aggressive on the ball as well. So very, very little. Uh, negativity I think about that goal performance they did it uh, Owen said earlier second or third gear I agree I don't think uh, they really pushed themselves that far David Burke and Joe and a few more of them really uh, tipping along but there's no guarantees and the big question will be the mental side of it uh, when they get to another semi-final which they're in another final if they get there uh, this 1988 to 30 years all that is going to build and build and build and whether they can handle that that's the big thing with Galway I think they have the players but uh can to handle the whole occasion and that remains to be seen yeah and I guess Owen on the size and, and the physicality they have and what Murph brings up there you could argue that Wexford were supposed to bring that mobility they certainly look pretty nippy against Kilkenny and yet they certainly in the second half yesterday they, they didn't really throw a shot Galway handled them pretty comfortably they did yeah you know look Wexford needs uh, a full squad to pick from, and you know there's one player that you definitely feel sorry for this season. That's Nemo McGovern. You know, I, I was very impressed with him the last year or two, just his pace and all that, and you know he's nearly touching six foot as well, and he done his cruciate there for the second time in ten months. You know, I just see he's, he's facing surgery this week. You know, but uh, you know that's where Wexford just those two or three guys that they're they're probably missing through injury or whatnot. You know, and he was one key player. You know, so Davy. Look, they've been brilliant so far this season. We'll say, you know, the league uh, showed good form. Beating Kilkenny was a massive one for them. Like that's a serious monkey off their back. But you know, I suppose they deep down they'll probably know their chance of silverware, which is probably which makes the season from being great to being absolutely brilliant. You know, that's probably gone now. I'd say, you know, you swing around twelve months ago, they did contest the All Ireland quarter final, but they really faded tamely out of that game against Waterford. So they're back in a quarter final now, but. You know, believe me, no one will want to draw them. It's going to be down in Parky Cueve. That's going to be new to everybody now, even if you're a Munster County, because new stadium, new atmosphere, everything is going to be different about it. So, you know, I suppose they'll rally the troops again. Maybe they're not way they'll get a club game maybe out of the way, but no one will want to play them now in a the quarterfinal because, uh, you know, you'd hope, and I'm sure Davy, he was kind of saying, you know, that the supporters weren't leaving the stadium the last 10 minutes. He was delighted to see that, but he'd bring a crowd to Cork, like, and, you know, there's, there's still maybe... Still, maybe if there's going to be an upset, it's probably going to be a Wexford in a quarter final against somebody left in the championship. So, um, you know, Davy will relish that challenge, but you know, they're just they're just short, probably a couple of injuries to key players of being a, a serious um title winning uh, winning squad at the moment. Yeah, I think going on that point, I think Galway size is not really been reflected or, or been talked about. Their physicality, they're massive, they're huge men, their physical shape, and the way games are gone. You watch a match, you're saying they're close after 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 minutes. But the physicality of Galway, when they're hitting and they're hitting hard all day, they're able to take the belts. And the war Wexford down, like for, really for 20 minutes in the second half, Wexford, and even though they look very fit against Kilkenny, and they are mobile and they are fit, but it's men against boys when it came to the crunch. They're a huge team. Uh, seeing them up close uh, after the match, as I was out in the pitch side, they're in, they're in fantastic shape. And... Very experienced. 11 of that team, I think, started against uh, Kilkenny in the final in 15, all there last year. 
So they have that experience, they have that fitness. And Michael Donoghue, calm, cool, collected. Uh, even after the match yesterday, I don't know if you saw it, but uh, <clears throat> he went to shake hands with Davy, and Davy snubbed him. And kind yeah. of, what was going on there? He, he it wasn't nice. Uh, Davy made a gesture to him as well, and Michael Donoghue still went up to him after that. And normally the losing manager would go up and shake hands with the winning manager, but he didn't. He waited, and then Donoghue went up, and then Davy sort of. I think that last bit was on television and it did seem like a very strange <coughs> uh, interaction whatever whatever happened yeah and Dunno just kept it cool and just went, still went up and shook hands and went on with his business and he's a cool tough customer and uh, I think he's maybe a little bit underestimated I think Gerald Nan called him a curate or something did he but he could be eating <laughs> his he could be eating his words before the year but Gerald has said a lot of things about a lot of people Michael, you made the draw this morning and you've kept the big guns apart. Well, the biggest guns, tip against it. It's just Waterford versus Kilkenny in Dublin against I, I like the way you put that, as if it's actually Michael's choice. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. Well, you wanted to see... <laughs> what, the, for the you, good of the game, what you, do we want? You wanted yeah. to save that one, obviously, for later in the summer. Was yeah. that the thinking behind the draw? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I have to say, no, no fix. It was all, <laughs> all genuine this morning there. Uh, yeah, um, I think Tip will be happy. Uh, Owen is on the, on the line there. Um, not just seemed to be firing at all cylinders, you know, and 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 uh, without writing off Dublin completely, but it, you know, Tipperary gave them a trimming in the league, and mm. and probably will have too much. It gives them another chance. There's just something missing in Tip at the moment, uh, whatever it is, that bit of spark and life, but that gives them a, another chance. But Kilkenny and and Waterford uh, will be huge, you know, it will be huge. Uh, Kilkenny hanging in there. Like I think Michael Fenley epitomised Kilkenny, you know, at the moment. They're they're. They're dying, but they're not going to die without a fight. And to see his performance, back for his first game since last year's Iron semi-final, and what a performance he gave on Saturday evening. And he's so crucial. How one man can be so important uh, to a team. We had a chat about it after Dahi Regan and myself having a pint on Saturday evening. Is he the best midfielder of all time? I think he's up there. Really? I, I do. Uh, I think he's up there, yeah. yeah. I think he's an absolutely incredible player. And when you think of you know, how many years of you know very restricted training he's he's actually had <coughs> i mean it's yeah he's pretty well, good but i think right. he doesn't train has always been the joke yeah. in the kilkenny team. but he, they, they were saying um somebody was saying i think they were saying on sky before if he if you get 35 or 40 minutes into him for game time and then he plays 75 minutes and gives a performance like that <laughs> um but like there is worrying <coughs> worrying signs richie hogan just confidence and it just he's putting himself under so much pressure like giving up mm. the job hurling the He's such a hurling fanatic and he's hitting these wise that he'd never hit and there's things not going right for him but they're hanging in there and they're hanging in there and if if they can get back, if they can get over Waterford they would say we're back you know not, again nobody would like to meet him but and Waterford against Offaly a terrible sad day for Offaly you know, I was there it was brutal to see to carry on eight backs and no ambition and not going for it but Waterford looked that little bit flat as well there's just they're not firing at all cylinders. So <clears throat> I think it's a huge game. Um, Waterford will never get a chance like this to be Kilkenny to get to a quarter final and say <clears throat> we've got there without playing great. But um, something tells me Kilkenny are going to have the edge on them again. Our quick word on tip obviously will be happy enough with that draw, even though they seem to struggle a bit again at the weekend. They did, yeah. Look, I, after the Cork defeat, uh, you know, just chit chatting here and there, I just said that they need a favourable draw. Like, and, you know, Westmead at home. And now Dublin, um, you know, so they'll be they'll be happy with that, like you know. But look, it'll be a little challenge for them, all right. You know, what I mean, they were very poor, I think, by all accounts against Westmead. I wasn't at the game or anything, but uh, you know, they're not firing well. But maybe look, you get into a quarter final, you know, it's real serious stuff. Then, like you know, what I mean, it'll probably be obviously a double header in Pocky Cueve and that. And uh, you know, you'd hope that bit of spark that Mike mentioned is missing at the moment might come back into it. You know, there's a few guys getting their championship uh, game time there now, so you know, there's a bit of to and fro of what's going to be your best 15 and that but I think deep down they'll be happy with the draw and you know the venue now people are going to be talking about venues later on today you know that might even uh, tighten up that game that could be uh, I'm not sure will it be a double header be great if it wasn't Turles but I'm not sure will Dublin travel down but you know it could be a Port Leash or maybe a Kilkenny then that's the other options but uh, you know they'll get a challenge there against Dublin you know they were, they were happy enough to hit a big score the weekend and that but you know Waterford and Kilkenny then it's just psychological with Waterford against Kilkenny. You know, the last time they beat them, 1959, you think sometimes when you meet Waterford guys that they have beaten them in the championship once or twice since, they haven't. So that's the thing. The mental side for Waterford and Kilkenny are just, uh, you know, you expect one or two big players again to maybe step up the next day and just, just get them over the line because that's the way they're going to win these games if they are going to win them just barely over the line. Where were you on Saturday? You weren't at the match. 
I had a golfing trip. For God's sake. Uh, imagine the All-Ireland winning, winning captain <laughs> wasn't in Toronto. Oh, that's <laughs> shocking. But, 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 but we knew tip season was falling apart already. Come here, but this if is you yeah. were at me, Mike, and then you're the first officer man to do a, a favourable thing for in the last few years there, so yeah. Well, like I, you had a favourable draw there it, today. It, it, doesn't do, it, it doesn't make me feel any better to do tip any favours, on. You know that. Oh, and thanks so much, Michael. Thanks for popping in. Cheers, lads. That's the question that's going to be answered tonight. Tonight. So now, come here tonight, tonight, into Wexford Park, and they just must produce the goods tonight. Tonight, their team is better set up tonight. Tonight. But they just, the bottom line is, Michael, they have to do tonight. Tonight. No, I think Hawk have made a massive boo boo with our matchups. Massive boo boo. Tonight, 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 tonight. These going forwards have seemed bigger by the conversation. Yeah. We talked to your uncle, Uncle Jim, last week, and as he said, there there seems to be a policy of if you're under six foot two, you need not apply <laughs> for this forward line at the moment. It comes up every single time, probably because they are all over yeah. six foot two and also pretty big. Yeah, I think um, yeah, I think uh uh, every hur- hur- they're nearly taking it in turns, hurling analysts, in getting up close and personal with the goal by hurlers. So you can kind of it's one thing to see them from the commentator's gantry, but then they're milling around on the pitch afterwards. Like, holy shit, they are huge. Yeah, I, 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 you know, you do actually kind of have to meet them yeah. with their helmet off to realize, yeah, they're gigantic. Do they speak English in the whole shebang? Oh. Just the, the, this, <laughs> Only, this picture we're painting of these monstrous aliens. Yeah, not, savages. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, I, I don't know what you're trying to say about most people of them from can Kinvara. Speak, most of them can speak fluent oh. English. <laughs> most uh, of them go, go Have you got everywhere. something in particular you'd like to say to the people from Ahaskrafohana? Mulya, fair play to you. Whatever you're feeding them, keep it up. Do we want to hear some Will Greenwood before we go? Ah, yeah, sure. Why not? Might as well get everyone riled up for the rest of the day. After and the rest all. of the week, this this monum- monumental week. He did basically propel the Lions to victory on Saturday. I assume these speeches get fed in directly to the dressing rooms. This was him. We're going to go back a little further. Actually, see how he started things off because this is one that didn't quite work, but not not through any fault of Will Greenwood. This was before the first test. Right here. The lads will stand in the shadow of Everest, a sporting mountain that is rarely climbed. You have what it takes to become legends. You will measure up. You will excel. You will write your own history. You will be remembered. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Whatever about those speeches, you know, the, the, what always strikes me is when Quinnell and Greenwood are talking like we are right now, mm. relatively normal human mm. beings. And then suddenly they start doing that thing where they shout and begin one of those. In, in mid-sentence, they do the over-the-top Sky Sports Lions analysis flicked. voice. It's like yeah. a musical, the way they have a normal conversation and then turn to a song. Yeah. I'm pumped, though. Can you pump for the rest of the day? Great. Uh, for the rest of the day? Do. Rest of the tour. Rest of the series. Um, I will probably watch the third match, yeah. Well, I think I will. Well, he's doing his job. We're all watching it. We're going to watch it on what TV station, Ken? Uh, one of the whichever one has it on. That'll be Sky Sports. So the one and only place to Will see Greenwood. all of your lines action. <laughs> Will Greenwood has done his job on Ken Erdy just about. <laughs> Thanks, Ken. Thank you. All. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks everybody. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.